0: Alright, so I won't be long, at least that's what I plan. Uh, We're going to take a little detour, so if you want, you can open to Exodus chapter (laughs) 3. Just a little. It's a story that I've been thinking about, pondering the change of seasons for us, And so you guys know Moses' story. He's born, enters into a life of privilege, knows that God has a call on him to lead the children of Israel to the promised land. He knows that. At 38, he feels like he's ready. Jumps the gun, kills a man. His life is threatened, So he runs off into the desert for 40 years. I think about Edgewater, how many times I was ready to jump the gun. So if you know, we were at the 11th hour with New Hope Christian School. We had multiple meetings with their leadership. We were gonna partner with them, invest in that school, invest in a facility, Um, Either a dual purpose facility or build something like a pack center style facility there at New Hope that we could share with them. And so we're, we're totally into it. And then their side said, you guys scare us. I'm like, really? Well, you'll come, you'll bring people and you'll change us. I said, yeah, that might be a good thing. And they're like, yeah, we don't want that. Okay, no problem. So we didn't do that. So then we were out at RCC. So I happened to make the same offer to the president of RCC at that time. And he's like, hey, that would be a cool deal. And so it looked like we are gonna do like a 25-year lease, invest in something there at RCC and just partner with them. Like, why not? Let's break these molds. Let's not do things the same way. Let's invest in RCC. Let's go for it. So we started to move ahead with that. But the president was very excited about that, but he took it to whatever his council is. And they're like, Eh, no. So it didn't get very far. So, okay, we're not doing that. And then we were at the 11th hour, 59th minute, 45th second of buying River Valley Community Church downtown. Because they were going to pull out and they were going to move uptown and they had plans to do all that. And for us, we felt like there should be a gospel, Jesus centered church downtown, which River Valley is. And if they're gonna pull out, well, we'll jump into that spot and be a gospel-centered Jesus-preaching church downtown. And we were, I mean, papers were being drawn up. When we did a title search or somehow it came out that there was this agreement for a parking swap on the front parking lot. Like there was, we get to use, River Valley, we'd use it on Sundays and uh, certain times, but then the other buildings around there got to use it uh, Monday from eight in the morning till five through Friday. And we're like, no, that's not gonna work for us. Cause I want to just flatten that whole front, put pavers out and make a park right there where it's just this hangout in the center of town. And so that just kind of, everything got a little bit crazy and we didn't do it. So then it was the waiting game, which has been a long time. But when I think back about those things, I think, wow, this is better. Those were pretty cool, but this is unbelievable. Oh, don't get ahead of God. Moses got ahead of God and it didn't work out very well. Sometimes you have to take the disappointments and be like, okay, Lord, I trust that you are good and you always do what's good. So surprise me with joy. I'm willing to be surprised, right? So Moses gets ahead and you know what happens? Chapter three, verse one. 40 years in the desert. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. Just think about that for a second. Husbands, would you like that? Because it all depends on who your father-in-law is. Gotta wonder, was Moses happy in that job? I'm keeping my father-in-law's sheep? Hmm. Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of Yahweh appeared to him, so important. We could just go off on the angel of Yahweh. In a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, he looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned. <laughs> Isn't that a funny statement? I'm not like, dude, did you see that? I will turn aside And look at this (laughs) sight. Dude, you are an exciting man. I can tell that. You're a stoic, aren't you? When Yahweh saw that he turned aside, which is just fascinating, and that, all right? When Yahweh saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush. Moses, Moses. Now just, man, this is so hard to do. Verse 2, angel of Yahweh. Verse 4, God called to him. What's that saying right there? Hmm, it's interesting. Called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you stand is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Love this section of scripture. Here's what you see. Number one, God comes after Moses. God is the pursuing God. Genesis 3, Adam and Eve sin. What does God do? Pursues them. What's happened? What, you know? Jacob lies and steals from his. Brother and his dad and takes off. And what does God do? Pursues him. I love that. Like God is saying, I want to be with you. I will be involved in your life. God is not the deistic watchmaker that winds the watch up and sets it aside and says, well, whatever's gonna happen, it's happened. God jumps in. He is active and moving. So what does he do to get Moses' attention? Starts a bush on fire. Now, do you think bushes were on fire all the time? Oh yeah, it's the desert. Things are dry. Things burn all the time. So Moses had to kind of look at it for a bit and be like, man, that has been burning for a long time. I will turn aside and look at that more, right? <laughs> so it, it's, it's, it didn't compute something about the burning bush as he watched it. You know, he's watching sheep. It's not like he's moving all the time. He's just probably watching it and watching it and watching it going, why is that still on fire? This does not compute, it should have burned out. Okay, I'm gonna go over there and look at it. I think that's how God works so much. When life doesn't seem to compute, when it doesn't add up, when it doesn't make sense, don't ignore that. That could very well be your burning bush. Don't walk by it, turn aside. Be like, I will turn aside and check this out. Pray, walk, think, say what's going on, God? This stuff right now is not making sense. I believe God is igniting burning bushes all the time and we just walk right by them. Notice it says, it's just a little phrase, when Yahweh saw they turned aside, right? If Moses would have just kind of been like, oh, I'm just doing my, oh, I'm not gonna pay attention. Would, it, would it, this whole thing happened? When Yahweh saw that Moses paid attention to the burning bush, this does not compute. Then Yahweh said, oh, I think we miss burning bushes all the time. Why? Could be that our faces are stuck in these little devices. We're like just kind of walking along. It's like UFOs. Nobody has UFO sightings anymore. You know why? Started about 2008 with the iPhone. Then it just became this. UFOs are just flying around now. We're just like, whoa, dude, a cat. Oh, I love this cat video. There's a UFO hovering over you. Look up for crying out loud. (laughs) He turns aside. Turn aside. And when things don't compute, turn aside, spend some time. And what's Moses told to do? Take off your shoes. Why? Because the ground that you're standing on is holy ground. Now, what would be on the bottom of a shepherd's shoe? (laughs) Right, yeah. Just nasty stuff. All kinds of nasty stuff. So in the Old Testament, there's this theme about God, and it's the Hebrew word kadosh, we translate it holy. It's bigger than just, like, I don't know even know if we know what holy means today, but it's his otherness. So if a vessel is set aside for God totally and completely, that vessel is then called kadosh, right? It's, not, it's something like the, the nature of something that's set aside for God is also kadosh. His kadosh transfers, if you would, to it. It's his otherness, this, this something of God that's, that's other. And very often, God's kadosh is frightening. Read the Old Testament. People would be frightened of God's kadosh. It's like this, maybe. So the sun, did the sun feel good today? Why did the sun feel good today? Because we're 93 million miles away from it. Get close to the sun's presence. Go 10 miles away from the sun. Does it still feel good? No, no. It's frightening. It will annihilate you. I think that's kind of like God's presence. Hey man, it's great at a distance. But if you really get close to God, there is a other worldliness to him that's just, ah, oh no. Like the space around God has a difference to it. Um, We already have categories for this. I think a hospital operating room. Is there a difference in that room? You don't march in there with dog poop on your shirt or your shoe. If it's not on your shirt. On your shoe, coughing, picking your nose, right? Because you know, this is a different, this is a kadosh, if you would, an other kind of area. The bathroom has that, right? It has a different thing to it. Like no one will eat in their bathroom. At least I hope you don't eat in your bathroom, right? Right? <laughs> Like this one time Elijah went in, he was little at the time, he was like three years old, and he got me a drink of water from the bathroom. Yes. Dilemma, right? For a dad. Like, mm-hmm. And I knew he was small, and I'm thinking, I don't know if you could reach the faucet, and there's only one other option to get water, I couldn't drink it. Even if it was from the faucet in the bathroom, I still couldn't drink it. Why? Because that has a different, it's a different kind of room. Well, that's what you see over and over in the Old Testament, this kadosh of God, his otherness. Look out, you can get burned. Because God, yeah, he's like the sun, warm and awesome and life-giving, but also he's got kadosh. And in the Old Testament, there are three things that consistently you do not bring into God's presence. So um, we're adults here, I hope. Sexual omissions. If that happens to you, there's all these regulations that says, do not come into God's presence if that's happened to you, male or female. Now, why is that? Because those are sacred fluids. They produce life, right? They're a different kind of fluid. Spit, if I just spit on the ground, I don't wait and see if a baby pops up. It doesn't have that same life giving essence to it, but those other fluids do. So God says, if that has happened to you, don't come into my presence. If you have a disease like leprosy, there's all these diseases that if you're diseased, God says, don't come into my presence. If you've touched a dead body, don't come into my presence. And if you actually look at all those laws and you add them all up, you look at those laws, all of them deal with one thing. You know what it is? It's the curse of Genesis three. Don't bring the curse into my presence. I'm the God of life, not of death. Don't bring that curse into my presence. Right, And so sometimes there had to actually literally be a death that would create a clean enough space for someone to then enter into God's presence, right? So that's his kadosh. So New Testament, Jesus gives a Sermon on the Mount. Most important message, maybe in the whole Bible. Longest message of Jesus. At the end of it, the very next thing he does, you know what he does right when he finishes the Sermon on the Mount? He heals a leper. Guess how he heals a leper? He touches him. What were you not supposed to do in the law? Touch a leper. Why? Because in the old covenant, death was contagious. You don't touch dead bodies because you can get sick from them. You don't touch le- leopards because that's contagious. Death is contagious in the Old Testament. Jesus comes, gives the constitution of the kingdom, sermon on the mount. First thing he does is he touches a leper. And really what he's saying is this, No more. Death's reign is broken. From now on, life is contagious. And I am the giver of life. And if I touch you with my life, your disease won't transfer to me. My kadosh will transfer to you. It's a brilliant, brilliant biblical theology right there. Amazing, right? So this is balancing God, really. God is the seeking God, the loving God, the prodigal father God coming after Moses, but also he's a holy God. And you have to keep those things in tension. Because if not, you end up being, God becomes your best buddy. Well, that might be true, but he's also holy and frightening. Just ask Isaiah, who when he saw God fell on his face and was like, I'm a man undone, frightened. So always keep those things. Yes, God is love, but he's also holy and pure and has a kadosh. You see both of those right here. Yes, the seeking God, but even more. So what's Moses' reaction to this? hides his face. What do Adam and Eve do when God shows up? Hide their face. It's amazing to me how many people I will talk to that are like saying, well, I don't know if I believe in God or whatever. And then I'll peel through the layers enough and I come up to a sin. And really what they're doing is they're hiding from God's presence. It's not that they don't believe him anymore. It's that they can't stand his gaze. I wanna get away from God's gaze. Somehow I wanna hide, get away from God's gaze. That's what Moses was doing. Why? Because he's a murderer. He's a murderer. God, have you come to kill me? Why are you here, right? He's gotta be wondering that. Why are you showing up right now? Is this time for me to pay? Because I know I am bad. I know I am a sinner. So then God says, then Yahweh said, verse seven, I've seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. I've got a plan, Moses. And you're gonna be my dude. This is your opportunity. This is your chance. 38 years ago, you kind of blew it. But I'm the God of the second chance. So let's go, Moses. What does Moses say? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go. No, verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He just starts these excuses. Excuse number one. I'm nothing. I'm just a shepherd. Come on. So what does God say? Yes, but I will be with you. I love that. I don't care who you are, Moses. I'm with you. Right, so next one, verse 13. Then Moses said to God, um, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Like, I don't really know your name. <laughs> that's a great excuse. And God said to Moses, I am who I am, or literally that's Yahweh. I'm Yahweh, I am the existent one. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent you. All right, should that do it? no. Chapter four, verse one. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice for they will say, Yahweh did not appear to you. Verse 10. But Moses said to Yahweh, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant. Isn't that so funny? Like how long has that been? The way I talk hasn't changed in the last five minutes. I was talking the same way five minutes ago and now I'm talking the same way. I am slow of speech and of tongue. And then verse 13, God actually gets mad at him. Okay, so he starts making these excuses. Kind of amazes me, right? All these excuses, and you should go through these at some point because I think most of them we make. Why God can't use me. All this power, there's a burning bush right there. He can feel this, the presence of God, no doubt. And nah, no, can't use me. It, It reminds me, of watching somebody that has to do something scary. You ever watch somebody try to do something scary? Like my best example is I bungee jumped off uh, this bridge that goes over the Zambezi River at Victoria Falls. So it's way up in the air and you're in Africa. There's no OSHA, there's no like rules and regulations. So you're kind of like, hmm, should I do this? Yeah, let's do it. I'm not gonna be back here, let's do it. So um, I went out there and I felt pretty safe because I was behind this guy that was like 240. He was this Danish dude. I'm like, well, if it will hold you, it will hold this guy, no problem, right? But in front of both of us was this girl. There's only three of us doing it. And so uh, literally you, you go out in this cage where it's got these walls that are about four feet tall and it's ratchet strapped to the side of the Zambezi Bridge, right? And you are 276 feet above crocodile infested waters, right? Ratchet strapped, you're like, hmm, I hope those are strong, man, right? So you gotta, you gotta hop over that guardrail and then, then you get in this little cage. It's like six feet by three feet. And then they wrap this big piece of uh, Velcro just multiple times around your legs that's connected to the bungee. So you have to do that. And then there's one spot where about two feet of the railing on this little box that you're standing in is gone. And sticking out from it about 18 inches is a two by six. It has tape at the end of it. Like, stop at the tape. Don't keep going. Stop at the tape. So, right, your job then is to get onto that two by four. You've got your legs that are Velcroed and you have to kind of just hop out to the end of it. And you're now looking down 276 feet and you can see crocodiles swimming down there. You're like, that's a crocodile, I think, but it's a long ways away, right? So that's the setup. So she's first, she gets out there. She gets the Velcro on and they're like, okay, hop over here. And she's like, Nah, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do it. And so then they go through this whole, we have had over 4,000 jumps without a single person getting hurt. We've never had people back out of this. You could do it. Come on. So she hops a little bit. No, I'm not doing it. So then the whole spiel again, and then hop a little bit further. So it just over and over, they finally get her out on the end of this two by six. And the, what they do is they count five, four, three, two, one, bungee, you're supposed to jump. So they do the whole countdown, five, four, three, two, one. And there's like three guys out on this and they're all like, Bungie! And she just goes, <laughs> no, I'm not jumping. So then the whole spiel comes again. No one's ever been hurt at us. We know what we're doing. This is awesome. You know, you're gonna be on camera, you get pictures. Everyone's gonna you know, love this. Okay, okay. Five, four, three, two, one, Bungie. Nothing. So we're both standing there going, "Hmm, okay, what are they gonna do? So then th- this guy, he was good. He's like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. What I want you to do is I want you to take your arms and I just want you to let go of the, the, the rails, which you know, it's like, there's literally imprints of fingers into the, the steel rail, just like, ah! So let go of that rail, and I just want you to, and I'm gonna hold you, and then we're gonna try it again, okay? So she's like, okay, okay, okay. Five, four, three, two, one, bungee, nothing. He just goes, boom. I could not believe it. I was like, whoa, okay. That's why you're successful. (laughs) You are coming off of here. (laughs) So when I got up there, I'm like, I was getting a video taken of it. I'm like, I am not going to be that guy that gets pushed off. I'm like, holding on. No, no, I'm not doing it. (laughs) So like they started counting down. I just jumped. I was like, I'm three. I'm like, I got to go. I will not wait. Right. So it's kind of like that. Right. You're like, Moses, bro, dude, Jump. So many Christians lack confidence, like Moses. Can we make excuse after excuse after excuse why we can't be used. And if you were to really read this and study it, which I recommend, they all boil down to pride. I don't want to look like a fool. I don't want to be seen as incompetent. I don't want to be seen as inadequate. I don't want to be exposed in some way. And meanwhile, God is saying, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Right? He gets mad at Moses. Do you know who I am? I made your mouth. Do you know who I am? Right? So then God says, verse one, chapter four. Then Moses answered, behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice for they will say Yahweh did not appear to you. But Yahweh said to him, what's in your hand? He said, a staff. He said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. I just love that. Ah, it's a snake. I'm out of here. <laughs> just so perfect. I love the Bible. It's so honest. It wasn't like, yes, look at that, a snake. He's like, ah, a snake. <laughs> oh, I think I like it more than you guys, apparently. <laughs> but Yahweh said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it By the tail. So he put it in his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand that they may believe that Yahweh, the God of the fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. So here's what happens. Moses is to become the new burning bush, is he not? You now... Because of me, because how I have ministered to you, how I have worked with you, you are now going to be my new burning bush. You will go to these people and they will know because of your life and what has happened to you that I've appeared to you. You're my new, you're my new burning bush. I think that's so awesome. I think about the new building and I think that's a burning bush. That's what that is. I walk through that thing and I think, In Grants Pass, this is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. We get to talk to people that are coming in from Seattle or from Tennessee and they they do audio visual stuff everywhere. They're like, this is unbelievable. This building, they've been in really big, incredible churches. Like, this is unbelievable. We've never seen a view like this. We've never seen windows like this. We've never seen doors like this. This is unbelievable. That's a burning bush, right? We get to say, look what God did. Look what God did. In little Grants Pass, we have not been forgotten, backside of the desert. But even more than that, we're to be burning bushes. Each one of us is to be a burning bush, that we're supposed to go out and the way that we live our lives should be an enigma to people. Dude, why'd you forgive that guy? Dude, why do you keep working for that guy? Why are you helping me? I hate you. We're to be an enigma so they say, I can't believe this. I can't believe you, there's, some, there's something burning in you. But how did Moses grab the snake? By the tail. So it just happened Monday, I'm with my two boys, Elijah, my 11 year old, and Myron, my five year old. And I caught this four foot long bull snake. I mean, just massive. So I brought it up and I'm like, dude, look at this. And so Elijah does not like snakes. So he's like, ah, you know? And then you just get around somebody and when you've got a snake, you just touch him. They're like, ah, wow, right? It's all that. So we're just having a great time. <laughs> I'm not sure Elijah was, but I was, I was stoked. So um, I'm like, Elijah, you gotta learn to pick up a snake, man. You gotta learn to pick it up. So I put it in the grass and you know, it's starting to take off and, and both Meyer and Elijah are like, ah, running away. And, and I keep just bringing it back. I'm like, just, here's all you do. It's the grass. Just put a little weight on right behind his head and you pick him up by the head. Right, so he's trying to, trying to, he won't do it, he won't do it. And then Myron, my five-year-old, just comes over and goes, tink, picks it up. He, it don't even get off the ground with him. He, it's, it's that long, it's still on the ground. And Elijah's like, oh no, now I have to pick it up. <laughs> right? ah, my little brother did it, ah. So then he finally picks it up and runs inside and scares his sister with it, which is Elijah. So, all right, that was good. What do you not do with a snake? Pick it up by the tail, why? It will bite you. What is Moses told? Pick it up backwards. So this staff that he'd had for how many years? Long, 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 long time. Maybe 13 and a half years. Pick it up a different way. And that's what I keep thinking, pick it up a different way. God, 13 and a half really good years but I don't wanna ever be satisfied. I don't wanna be content. How are we supposed to pick up the snake, if you would, in this next season? I've been praying about that, thinking about that. I don't have some kind of epiphany, but it's what we should all be praying. What kind of new, incredible ways should we be picking this up? How is God's spirit moving today? How is he renewing a right spirit in people today? How do we pick those things up today? If you look at the book of Acts, you have one baptism, Acts chapter two, but then over and over it's like, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were filled with the Holy Spirit for new things that God had for them to move out from Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. So God, how do we pick this thing up in a new way? Be praying that, be praying that.